Hello, and welcome back. May God bless you. I would like to wish our folks in the United States a happy 4th of July. The U.S. is celebrating its 242nd birthday by the grace of God. We pray that God may bless our nation, our authorities, and that He may help us get closer to Him. God bless the United States. As part of today's prayer moment, I would like to encourage you to pray so that God can help you make Him the foundation of whatever it is you form part of. As we remember the United States birthday today, I need to remind those of us that are here, as well as those that are out there, that this country was founded on God and on His principles. Our forefathers that founded this nation did it with God in mind and in their actions. Many of them were devout followers of Christ with strong personal faith in Jesus. And I believe the only reason this country has made it this far is because of that beginning. Because of those that were faithful to him that founded this nation on God's principles. That's why I urge all of you that are listening to make Christ the foundation of your lives, the foundation of your families, the foundation of your businesses or your workplaces, the foundation of your relationships, that you make Him the foundation of everything so that He can bless it and prosper it. Pray that He give you the wisdom, the knowledge, the strength, and even more importantly, the determination and love to make Jesus Christ your foundation. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you for your goodness, for your mercy, Lord God, for your love. And because, Lord, I know that you want to continue changing our lives, making us different, Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that you need to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And not only involved, Lord, but you need to become the base, the foundation, the, the thing that holds everything up, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that, help us to apply that in each aspect of our lives. Help us, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, to be able to, to get strong in you, Lord God, to build our lives and everything that we have on, Lord, on your principles, on your word, on your truth. I pray now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you may help us to understand your word, that you may help us to understand your truth, and that you may help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As part of today's sharing, we'll continue talking about the seven churches we introduced a couple of weeks ago, those that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. One particular and large detail we should keep in mind as we read about these different churches is that Christian persecution was in full effect during the time John wrote the book of Revelation. Emperor Nero had started the persecution of Christians in the year 64 after Christ. And the book of Revelation was written in the year 70 after Christ. So each of these churches were experiencing strong persecution and all of the suffering that comes along with something like that. Now today, we'll talk about the church of Smyrna. Today's reading can be found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. And it says like this, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt 
by the second death. As background in the city, Smyrna was a Greek city dating back to antiquity. It was located on the Aegean coast within present-day Turkey. The territory is now known as the city of Izmir, which is Turkish for Smyrna. It was located about 35 miles northwest of Ephesus, which is the location of the church we looked at last week. During the time John wrote about the church in Smyrna, the city was one of the principal cities of Roman Asia. Being a port city that was involved with a lot of trade and commerce, it was also a place of great wealth. At least this is what Apollonius Tyana, a Greek philosopher, implied. The name itself means myrrh, which is a natural gum or resin that was used for perfume, incense, and medicine. Now regarding its spiritual background, Due to its geographical location and the powers that reigned at the moment the church was written to, it is very logical to assume that its religious background is very similar to the practices that were in Ephesus and the surrounding cities. There was a considerable Jewish population within Smyrna as well. So in general, Christianity was not well regarded by anyone. Actually, quite the contrary. It was considered a heresy by the Jews and something unknown and different to all other religious practices. And of course, people were quite sexually immoral because of the influences of the society of that time. As far as the origins of Christianity within the city and the start of the Church of Smyrna itself, it is not clear as to how that came about. It is assumed that Christianity came to the city as a product of Paul's different missionary trips, maybe through converts that moved from Ephesus or from other neighboring places to Smyrna. Now, let's get into the message itself. The first thing that the Lord acknowledges of the church is what they have done, what they're going through, which we mentioned before about the persecution of Christians, and their state that they are in fact poor from a financial point of view. The inhabitants of Smyrna in general were well-to-do, but the Christians were poor. The Lord mentions their richness from a spiritual point of view. The message to the church also refers to those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. What does this mean? Because of the mass persecution the church was suffering, it was thought that many of the believers within the church that were of Gentile origin had Judaized or began to adopt Jewish traditions and practices so they could avoid Roman persecution. They were trying to adhere more to the Jews since that particular group was not being persecuted. So they were called out as a synagogue of Satan because of their betrayal to the faith because they had renounced the grace that comes through faith in Christ to protect themselves. They made the decision to protect their human lives and sacrifice their faith that guaranteed them eternal life. They ultimately renounced their faith in Christ. The Lord also warns them through John that things will get even more difficult, to the point that the devil himself will be involved with the testing of their faith. It's hard to imagine just how hard their experience was, but we have history that gives us a glimpse of what they went through. According to various records, Christians were persecuted and punished in the most atrocious of ways. There was a Roman practice of execution, such as the human torch, where a person was fastened to a pole on the street, lifted up high, drenched in oil and other flammable liquids, so set on fire alive and left to burn until death. Tens, if not hundreds of these human torches would line the streets so all could see what would happen to these Christians that supposedly set fire to Rome. And of course there were crucifixions, people thrown into the arena to be killed by wild animals and gladiators, all for sport and entertainment. There were no exceptions. Men, women, and children were killed in the same manner. 
As one can imagine, many blasphemed and left their faith in Christ. But yet, many also endured these horrors because they would rather die than betray the Lord they loved. Another instance where the devil was involved with getting at someone's faith was with Peter before Jesus was crucified. The Lord had warned Peter that his faith would be tested. The Gospel of Luke tells us this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Peter's faith did not fail even after he denied the Lord, and he did return to strengthen his brethren. Peter was the first to preach publicly about the Lord after receiving the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts says that as many as 3,000 people came to receive the word of God in their hearts and were baptized that same day. The Bible also mentions in different instances that not only our faith will be tested, just as those in Smyrna, but also that what we build in our life will be tested as well. And fire will be used, which is a way to say that things will get hard. It may or may not mean literal fire. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. The Bible teaches us also in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, that we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So the tribulation that is spoken of here has nothing to do with the consequences of wrong decisions, mistakes, and so on, but rather going through difficult times because of circumstances that are out of our control, which involve being persecuted for our faith. That is why it is so important to adhere to the principles of God, to make them part of our daily lives, not just to honor and love God, but also for our own good. Life as a Christian can be difficult all by itself because of our faith in Christ. But we should make it a point to make wise decisions so we can avoid making life even more difficult because of foolish and wrong choices, because of succumbing to the sin that still lives within us. The Lord finally summarizes his message by telling them to be faithful until death, because if they are faithful, Jesus will give them the crown of life. He was doing this so they could stay focused on the bigger picture. He was encouraging them to keep their eyes away from the issues they were living through and not to focus on the way they could even die because there was something greater and eternal that would be waiting for them if they, they, they were faithful until the end. God is telling each of us the same thing. We need to remain faithful to Him no matter what the cost here on earth, no matter what we might go through because enduring until the end is the only way that each of us will gain the crown of life. The reward for our faithfulness to our God is eternal life and no one can take that away from you. The Bible teaches us this in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The temptation spoken of here is singular so it has nothing to do with temptations. It refers to being tempted to abandoning our faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, as the Lord does with each of the churches, He encourages the church and us 
through this letter to hear, to listen to the Spirit. And that if we overcome, which means to remain faithful until the end, whenever that may be, that we may die once, which is our carnal death, but we will never experience the second death, which is what will happen with those people that have not wanted to believe and accept Jesus as the Lord of their lives, that they will be cast into the lake of fire. Those that die carnally being faithful to, until the end to Jesus will be raised from the dead and will live eternally before the presence of God Almighty. So the message to this church was not just for them, but it is a message for us now and those that will come after us that we may go through hardship and difficulty because of our faith in Christ. But if we remain faithful and unwavering in Jesus, following Him, enduring whatever might happen, we have something amazing and wonderful waiting for us that nothing in this world can ever give us. There is only eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is something we should always bear in mind. For Jesus said, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Let's pray. Lord God, I praise you and I worship you, Lord, because you always tell us the truth. You never lie to us, Lord. You always tell us things exactly how they're going to be. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because we can trust what you tell us. The truth is not always easy, Lord, but it is the truth. And the truth is the only thing that will ever set us free, that will give us life, and will give us life in abundance, Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, Lord, because despite of whatever we might go through on this planet, Lord, if we remain faithful to you, if we love you, if we follow you, Lord God, Lord, the wonderful and incredible promises that you have for us do not compare to the moments of hardship and difficulty we might have here and now. Lord, the things that you have prepared for those that love you and are called according to your purpose are beyond our imagination beyond of whatever we can think of, of whatever we can draw a picture of or say or describe, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because those things are through your grace, through faith, through your love, Lord God, because we did not deserve any of those things. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that we need to be faithful, that we need to love you, that we need to follow you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to apply your word, your truth to our lives so that, Lord, that we may be ready for when things get difficult and that one day, Lord, because of that faith and because of that love in you, we may be able to see you face to face. I give you thanks and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as always, please feel free to write us to our ministry website at thelatterrain.org if you have any questions or prayer requests. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. May God bless you.